0: Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Hello, friends. It is John Pollock and Wei Ting. And welcome to Rewind A Smackdown. Wei, I'm back. You're back, and you won't leave. We are seriously going
0: to push the limits of your tolerance for me this year. This, uh, well, today, not just this year. You're doing three shows today. I am? Well, sorry. We- <laughs> Man, just took a sledgehammer
1: to that, that wall <sighs> that's mark number four.
0: So so John just uh, recorded his prediction show with Errol Halwani? That's a great uh, sum-
1: summary, yes. That will be coming out Sunday.
0: That comes out Sunday. We're doing this show now, and then a little later on, we will be doing our latest edition of Rewind Away. We're doing these back-to-back-to-back? Back-to-back-to-back. To back. It's a marathon. I showed up at Way's place this morning.
1: This was early by Way's standards, but I brought a coffee, so that was that got me in the door. You brought me a black coffee. It's dark? Yeah. I told them regular. It says a B. These morons. Yeah. I
0: said a dark roast regular coffee. I don't mind at all. I don't mind at all. It's it's totally fine. I think um you know it uh, sometimes you want you want a black coffee. But uh
1: you specifically said you didn't want a dark coffee when you when I asked. So you're just being nice now.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine.
1: It's totally fine. Is it Thank still you. dark? You added you added cream, didn't you? Uh no. I just I'm drinking it black. Black coffee is nice every now oh, and yeah, then. Yeah, it
0: is. Yeah, totally. Yeah.
1: Especially at night. I've just uh Oh, at night. You know, I think people before thought I had a, a coffee problem. It's it's out of control now. How
0: many are you up to today? Two. I've had two today. You've already had two. Yeah. We haven't even started. Okay. Our do you want to know show? my day? Okay. I had to get to
1: Way's place this morning by eleven, and I also didn't have my car today because my my wife is uh she's got this this thing that she takes Max to on Wednesday morning, so mm-hmm. I had to take the bus. So, I get into the bus. On the way, it takes me 90 minutes to get up here altogether. And on the way to the subway, the bus stops, driver gets out, and he's with this other bus driver. One of them's vaping. And this happens somewhat regularly, where either a bus is ahead of schedule, so they'll stop. Just stops. And they're just going to slow down. It's like, just because you're off schedule doesn't mean you have to make me off schedule. We all in this bus have to be somewhere. So get moving.
0: Hmm. Uh yeah, I see where you're coming from. But come on. Um They don't want to be too early though. Well, I don't want to be too late. But if they're waiting around then they're probably still trying to maintain schedule. Listen, we all we all pay yeah. our fare. Yeah.
1: For you to drive us. Not for this thing to, to to run on a specific time. You're
0: paying your fare so that they can be on schedule. So that they can be there when you're expecting them to be there. If somebody shows up too early, they miss the bus, then then you'll be complaining as well. So what, what do you want them to do? I just want you to drive me to the subway.
1: That's all. Right. So what? We have two buses. You know what? Get back on track once you're at the subway and then wait. Maybe Wait till the buses can then get back on track. Maybe you should have gotten Uber instead. Well, you know what? I I went the worst way. I rode the rocket, mm-hmm. and the rocket decided that in midair, it's just going to eh, step off
0: and vape. All right. Well, I hope someday you get that bus that's catered specifically for your own needs so that you could get to wherever you need to go.
1: Right hey, away. I've got this good joke that I, I thought of in between Raw and, and the show. Okay. okay. We're talking about Paul Heyman possibly turning on Brock and joining Braun.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What if Paul turned and joined Kane and
0: became the devil's advocate? Ooh, I love it. I love it just for that. Not the actual pairing itself. I've learned that these shows, doesn't matter what we talk about. As long as we have either one mistake or one zinger, that's all people care about. By the way... Uh, If we do make a mistake in the course of this review or any of our other reviews, uh, rather than, I guess, uh, inundate us with tweets... If you hear a mistake
1: and you go to tweet us, trust me, someone has already done it. I promise you, we will get to sleep at night knowing Akira Tozawa was once the Cruiserweight champion for six days.
0: I was probably reminded 20 times. At least. But uh, if you want to report any factual errors... Oh, don't don't encourage this. No, I am encouraging it. Please go to forum.postwrestling.com under the podcast section The Archivist has created a brand new fact checking oh no this I thought is, we were done with that uh, I'm, ba- I'm very, banning I'm banning The Archivist it's a very necessary evil and and something that I think uh, keeps us all in check it is no longer just the John Pollock fact checking thread oh thank god it is cause I got lumped with everyone's mistakes it is simply the fact checking thread and uh, the first of which belongs to me so it be- it is uh, of course The Akira Tozawa... That was kind of a co-mistake. Doesn't... Whatever. I don't give a shit. But, uh... Put all of your fact-checking, uh... 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 I don't know. uh, Queries. Everything. Throw it all up there, and let us see it there. Collectively. Yeah. You know what you're
1: getting into when you click on that. But man, the response to Delita, though, overwhelmed the Akira Tozawa corrections. Maybe we should have
0: a thread for those, too. I think
1: we should have a t-shirt for Delita.
0: Hmm...
1: Are you ready to chat about SmackDown?
0: Yeah. Uh, before we do that, we should mention. Oh, yes. Coming up on Friday, as we mentioned, we have our first ever Espresso Executive Producer's Choice of Review Away. Oh, God. It's a mouthful. Damn. Rewind Away. Rewind Away. Rewind Away. Chatting about the April 8th,
1: 2013 edition of Raw from the Izod Center. It was the night after WrestleMania 29.
0: That is correct, and uh, for people who don't necessarily recall that episode, uh, it is the one featuring Dolph Ziggler with a money in the bank briefcase. It is also the pay-per-view, or sorry, the the episode of Raw where uh, the Fandango chants broke out. That is true. So I think one of the more memorable night after WrestleMania
1: Raw is probably the biggest moment of any night after show. I think the Dolph Ziggler one would at least be in people's top three of uh moments for a, a night after mania. So uh, we will discuss all of that Friday. Big rewind away uh, coming your way on Friday. As we mentioned, the prediction show on Sunday as well, where I will be joined by Ariel Hawani. We'll go through all of the predictions made for 2017 and how Ariel fared and then make up a whole new list for 2018 and some pro wrestling mixed in there too. Oh, Yes. Anything else? That's it. Okay, let us get into SmackDown from the Legacy Arena in Birmingham, Alabama. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports
0: Podcast John and Way. They talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. We wanna smack down. We want SmackDown.
1: We wanna SmackDown. down, we wanna SmackDown. we wanna SmackDown. Rwanda Smackdown. Rwanda Smackdown. Nothing on the Legacy Arena. Renee Young is inside the ring. Sorry, I just I leave
0: that gap there just for the, the music.
1: Oh, I always assume you're just waiting for me to say something. No. Well, now we're on track. Now it's we're on the other side of the music? Yeah. The music is played? Yeah. Okay, my hearing's bad. Renee is inside of the ring and welcomes AJ Styles out for a sit-down interview. This was a, Renee's yeah. Lounge here. Café de Renee. Ooh. And... She asks Styles if Daniel Bryan's decision was fair last week, making this a handicap match. And Styles avoids the question like a trained politician. And Renee calls him on it, says, Bitch, I asked you a question. Was it fair or unfair? And Styles says, It isn't fair, but neither is life. Life is kind of fair. I don't know if I agree. Everyone always says life isn't fair. It's like define that. I'm sure certain people can Uh, say life has dealt them a bad hand. Yeah, but others don't. I think that. What what does that even mean? It's fair. What does a Uh, fair life entail? (laughs) It's way too early. I know it's way too early. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Styles is not going to point fingers and get into the middle of Brian and Shane's issues. And then says, "I'm not going to let those two idiots take his his title away from him." And I thought at first this was a clever line where you were left with, "Well, which idiots is he referring to? Is he calling Brian and Shane idiots or Owens and Zane?" But then he just steamrolled and clarified it was Owens and Zane. And Kevin Owens and Zane come out. Owens says that it would take a miracle for Styles to beat the two of them, and heaven doesn't give out miracles to people like you. Good line. They will be the first ever co-WWE champions, and they ch- they chant yep over and over again until Shane comes out. Shane doesn't believe it's fair that Styles has to defend the title like this, which was just established by Styles. He's puzzled at Brian's decision, calls Owens and Zayn the yep clowns, and then makes a match for tonight where it will be Owens and Zayn against Styles, Orton, and Shinsuke Nakamura, in a handicap match favoring the baby faces, and Shane put all the heat on this little kid in the front row to make it a handicap match
0: involving styles. Yeah. I mean this kid is gonna get called out. Um I think the I get a real kick out of Zayn as a heel. They've really managed to get me. Turning him initially seemed like the worst idea ever. Here's Sammy Zayn who I think is one of those rare baby faces that you can't help but really like on the level of a Daniel Bryan, but uh, they've done it. I think he's done a great job. I think they've done a great job making him a heel. He's very entertaining with Kevin Owens. He's entertaining, but I thought I saw
1: him as top babyface potential. I don't think they ever viewed him as that. I don't see him as the top heel. I think he's still he's like the court jester of this group. Yeah. But he's super entertaining in this role. I'm not mm-hmm. going to disagree with that. Shane then walks backstage and runs into Brian. Brian says, you seem puzzled and said that Shane made a hell of a main event for tonight. They shake hands awkwardly and Shane leaves. Continuing the tension between those two. Becky Lynch taking on Ruby Riot. Becky cut a promo beforehand saying she's back. Riot, The Riot Squad played with straight fire. And now Ruby's going to get burnt, and she will be the last woman standing in the Royal Rumble. And I think there is a—I think she's among the possibilities that could win this thing. Not the favorite, but possible.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, you know, interesting to think about now, too, is the fact that you have two Rumbles, and therefore I could see them splitting the wins between Raw and SmackDown. Mm -hmm. Very possible. Or maybe they just won't, and they'll just go for a sweep for one of the brands.
1: So, Charlotte, Naomi, and the Riot Squad all made entrances. I thought we were having a six-woman tag. No, this was just the, the seconds on the floor to watch this match. They go through a commercial. Uh, Ruby Riot is in control of Becky. It's all Ruby. She applies an abdominal stretch, and then Becky comes up, landing strikes on Riot, hits a pair of beck Sploders, and then Riot kicks her in the chest, goes for the Riot kick, but Becky turns it into the disarmer, submitting Ruby Riot.
0: I think this Riot Squad... Might be the least intimidating group that I've ever seen. This is a very manageable riot. Like, this is yeah. t- two security max. They fail every week. They're either driven to the back by the baby faces or, in this case, their leader takes a pretty clean loss, taps out right away. So, to me, I think they're already dead. They pose no threat whatsoever. Um yeah, Good luck to them.
1: Maybe they have a
0: a mysterious
1: leader... That is guiding Ruby. And then we see the transition to Ruby Wyatt. Hmm.
0: Yes, they could do that.
1: Then we got our next reveal. And these these Facebook reveals are starting to get a lot of praise from people. Are they? Who's praising? I saw two tweets on Tuesday night. (laughs) Becky is signing a bunch of fans autographs outside. And this mysterious fan takes off his beard and glasses and it's Sami Zayn and Becky loses her mind that she's teaming with Sami Zayn
0: mm-hmm. this one I think I, I, this one did
1: not feel spontaneous
0: yeah I don't know if I necessarily believe this one it's starting to make me think that maybe they're all staged <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe we gave way too much credit to yeah. the, the surprise acting of maybe some. wrestling's not real <laughs> uh, it's the, the pairings continue to be very interesting it sometimes almost feels like they're deliberately trying to pair heels and baby faces together uh, and they essentially just have them ignore kind of any of those dynamics. They're t- more often than not, everybody's really happy to be paired with anybody. Yeah, we don't have one team where it's oh, shit, this person. I didn't see the Braun Alexa one, I don't know how that one uh, turned out, but in any in almost all the cases, Miz and Asuka, uh, Becky and 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 Sami Zayn, and then Natalia and. Shinsuke, they're all just like, oh, awesome, great. I'm so happy. selfie Ske, Nakamura.
1: Yeah, wow. Okay, you're really... Um,
0: You got a whole list of them. Well, hey,
1: better than Team Hallelujah, which Corey called Bobby Roode and Charlotte and... Corey... um, Byron called them the Robe Warriors, which is what uh, Charlotte like was trying to get across when they posted a photo together in robes. I kind of like that better. The Robe Warriors? Yeah. It's better than Team Hallelujah. Then there's a clip of The Ascension with Breezango from WWE.com. They thought Brizongo would be in their corner. They said, no, we're not. So The Ascension took on the Bludgeon Brothers. Mm-hmm. All these weeks, here we are. They got 37 seconds of Victor getting killed Connor nailed off the apron, and then Rowan splashed Victor, killer bomb, 37 seconds it ends, and then they laid out Connor with a crucifix bomb. So, no need to see these two teams ever again. Uh, Together. No, I don't think so. Zack Ryder versus Mojo Raleigh was next in the U.S. title tournament, and I don't know if you saw the follow-up, the Mojo Raleigh cell phone promos. He dropped another one ahead of this match. Did you see this one? I did not. Another very strong promo from Mojo Raleigh, okay. who is... The best WWE promo that doesn't get promo time on WWE programming. Hmm. Bobby Roode comes out just to watch from ringside. He'll take on the winner. Mojo also has new music. Mojo was very aggressive at the start. He's taunting Ryder. He grabbed him by the chin and rammed his head into the turnbuckle repeatedly. Mojo then does this sprint to elbow Ryder in the back of the neck Raleigh then bails to the floor to avoid a broski boot, and Raleigh gets drop kicked through the through the ropes. Then Ryder is run shoulder-first into the post, gets drilled with that running punch to the back of the neck, and then one into the corner, his usual finish, and he pins Zach in three and a half minutes. So Mojo advances, he'll take on Bobby Roode, and then the winner of that match takes on the winner of Jinder Mahal and Xavier Woods. And while I think we all look at this as the tournament for Jinder, I think Mojo Rawley is way more interesting to... He's a new character that I would be more optimistic on than Jinder, but
0: I feel this is... No, there's no way he's winning. Yes. Um, It's too bad that Mojo and Zach didn't get a better chance to tell a deeper story. I think all the elements were there. I mean, they had a history. I think you have very strong promos, at least on uh, Mojo Rawley's part. Instead, it just feels like they've only been showing us kind of these small glimpses of their actual feud in the form of these tiny matches with weeks of nothing in between uh and i as far as i know you know i can tell that this is probably it for that um they blew off a lot of feuds here we had uh the ascension gone i don't, I don't even and zach gone i don't even think you're really supposed to have this i mean i thought the i think the blow off was probably that kickoff match mm-hmm. that week of it was not the kickoff to a feud no, it was not. Um, so, I think Raleigh's going to lose anyway. It's going to be Rude versus Ginger, heel babyface, and whoever I wins have no that, interest in that match. None. Yeah, me neither. Ah, I mean, it's something. It literally is something. It is a match. I think the winner will probably face Ziggler coming back. Mm-hmm. What kind of a prize is that? At the end of all this, you get to have a match with Dolph Ziggler. And that... that-
1: it's a weird dynamic to have Ziggler coming back to feud with Ginder, And I don't want to see Rude win Could this tournament. Could be Bobby No, oh, Great, that feud again. I don't think that'll happen. They cut immediately to Jinder backstage with the Singh brothers with a flag behind them. Jinder says 2017 was defined by him. No one thought he was deserving of the title reign. So now he has his eyes on the U.S. title. Pretty much stating he himself has agreed he is no longer deserving of the WWE title. He is now... Uh, he's harnessing his expectations for this year.
0: Mm, Pull good, back,
1: Good for him. He knows his limitations. Yeah. I mean, he kind of just confirmed the audience was ahead yeah. of the curve. I just watched that Raw
0: from 2013. And it featured Jinder as part of 3MB. And I'll say in terms of presence, the man looks like a completely different person from now. Uh, now compared to before. He... To me, he looks like a believable main eventer, uh, but in terms of in-ring ability, probably better suited for a a different generation where that was far less important. But I think for a U.S. title-level champion, I think he could be a perfect opponent for a new babyface. He
1: hopes that Xavier Woods knows how to play taps on his trombone. He says the New Day is a fad, but the Maharaja is forever. Then we had our classic Raw clip of Austin entering the arena on his Zamboni. So, the fall of 1998, clearly the the focus this week of classic Raw yeah, clips. Yeah,
0: they've, they've shown a lot from Austin.
1: Well, I I don't know if these clips are designed to be a tip-off to anything, but it almost seems crazy you can't do Austin and Vince in some kind of segment together on hmm. this anniversary show. It just seems everything is geared towards some interaction. And then we got our next Facebook reveal. Natalia was discussing the art of the selfie. So she goes to take a selfie, and Shinsuke Nakamura photobombs Natalia's selfie, which is a line that three years ago I never thought I would have been stating during yeah. the
0: SmackDown recap. Yeah, when you're watching uh, Wrestle Kingdom 9 mm-hmm. and he was having that match with Kota Ibushi, you didn't think that three years later he'd go on to take a selfie with Natalia on Facebook? Yeah, you get to set up his appearance
1: on a Facebook video. Natalia says, "Are you my partner?" and then when she finds out he is, she says, "This is better than Rusev," and she's excited she didn't get Sami Zayn as her partner.
0: I swear they must have drawn these pairings out of a hat. There's really no like rhyme or reason to any of them. But perhaps that's part of that's part of the fun here. We don't know what the actual matchups are yet, do we? No. No, they have not explained it. I want to see some tag team moves from these pairings.
1: Yeah, maybe um Doomsday device with Chinskey doing the Kinshasa off the top rope instead of the clothesline.
0: Yeah, they have to be careful with that. Any of, any of that stuff, but they could be creative. Braun and Alexa, the tag team move.
1: Oh, wow. I'm sure there's plenty of ideas. Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable come out. Chad's wearing a shirt that reads hashtag free the tag titles. Gable asks if any of the fans know what it's like to be a winner. The time it takes to train and be away from your family and make your life mean something. I'm asking. Seriously. Benjamin brings up the University of Alabama winning the college championship the night before over Georgia. says the people didn't win anything. They just sat on their couch and stuffed their faces. This got lots of heat. He says Georgia was robbed due to a bad referee call. Just like us. And Gable went to shush the crowd that's his new catchphrase. Shoosh. 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 Yeah. Sounds like sush. Which just is a short case. form for sushi. Mm-hmm. So then Gable says, they set the tag titles free from the Usos penitentiary. And the coal crowd is chanting roll tide. This is like the most heated segment on the show, just because of this. And from there, he says that the referee overturned another referee's decision. Mm-hmm. And they criticized the referee who has no name here for being jealous And a crime was committed last week. They demand justice, and they're here to free the tag titles. All they lost to was instant replay, not the Usos. So they call out generic referee number two to come out and free the titles, but instead Daniel Bryan comes out. And Bryan sympathizes, knowing the euphoria of thinking you've won and working hard and having it taken away. But Bryan takes issue with the two of them knocking management, which they deny they're doing. But Brian states that the referees represent management. And the referee's decision is final. Which Benjamin agrees with. The first referee counted three. But Brian says they pinned the wrong Uso. Gable then mocks the referee in question about his feelings. And thinks that Brian is taking it out on them because Shane is upset with him. Leading to Gable asking, What do you want us to do? Beat them twice in one night? And Brian loves this idea. So he announces the Usos against Gable and Benjamin in a two out of three falls match for the Royal Rumble. Because I was worried, what's going to fill all this time at the Rumble? Two out of three falls match. Oh, I don't know what... Brian, yeah. I think all these added matches, this is all going
0: on the pre-show. Two shows? Two matches on the pre-show? Oh, I think we're getting at least two matches on the pre-show, if not three. So I guess the rule is don't be self-deprecating and don't use sarcasm around Daniel Bryan. Because they'll always think it's a great idea. Uh, I think it's great that Gable and Benjamin finally get some mic time to show off their heel personalities. I thought Gable was great here. I mean, they just turned one week and then all of a sudden, you know, they're bad guys. But we never really got that explanation or even just something where we can fully say, okay, these guys are meant to be booed now. I thought this was it. Um, I think think that they took a lot of time, but I thought they did fine. Um, I, we know that neither of these two are hired because of their abilities on the mic. Here, I felt like they were trying really hard, and I thought they th- did the best that they were able to do. I, I think Chad Gable is a better speaker than Jason Jordan.
1: Definitely, I feel. Um, I thought Gable was very good here. So after that, we had Randy Orton getting ready backstage when AJ Styles is with him to chat strategy. But then says, or are you just going to RKO everything else that moves? Orton says, that works for me. He says, they're on the same page. But after he wins the Rumble, Orton doesn't care who has the title. He's coming forward at WrestleMania. Because last year, that formula worked to perfection for Randy. Winning the Rumble and going on to having one of the most legendary title matches in WrestleMania history. Shinsuke enters the scene and says, not so fast. And he too-sweets the title belt. And he ends it by stating, good talk.
0: Yeah. Was this a good talk? I think if you need him on a speaking role on this show, aside from doing any pre-produced video packages, which they don't seem to want to do for whatever reason, I think this is probably one of the best uses of Shinsuke. Having him do these one-liners, speaking mainly with actions, him touching the belt, I think perfectly describes his intentions. So now for uh, just clarity's sake on
1: WWE programming, Shinsuke Nakamura speaks English. Asuka doesn't,
0: right? According to Nia Jax, perhaps. Yes. We also don't know what Alexa said. You know, Alexa could have said something like uh, this, I don't know, very kind of deep, eloquent uh, verbiage that Nia knows Asuka wouldn't be capable of. You're a
1: wonderful human being, Nia Jax. That's what Asuka said. Nia wouldn't take the compliment, maybe. Rusev and Aiden English are in the ring. English sings. They're entering the Rumble, which they are calling the Rusev Rumble Match. Then they took on Brizongo. They went through a commercial break. English kept Breeze away from his corner, eventually made the tag to Fandango, and hit this big back body drop to English. Rusev makes the blind tag, lays out Fandango with kicks, hits a spinning heel kick, and then he's... Roaring, gets the chant going. Graves says that Rusev's gear is made by Rusev Vatan, And then he nails Tyler with a head kick. But this allows Fandango
0: to schoolboy Rusev and pin Rusev. Yeah, surprised me. This felt like the equivalent to Monday's Titus Worldwide upset over the bar. I'm Except I, the guy they pinned was super over here. Well, I imagine the purpose to be similar... Just prop up another team in the division and set up a series to keep these guys occupied, but Rusev taking the pin was certainly a little bit perplexing. They don't seem to have that much. Yeah, I mean they are certainly like becoming popular anyway, but they don't necessarily feel like it's important to make them seem like a threat. I suppose Rusev day. Well, that seems like a weird idea.
1: If if someone's gaining traction, I think this is this is a way to cool that off. I mean this is. Hardly a feud that's going to propel them into anything. Uh, I don't know. This just to me was... Wrestling doesn't have to be this hard. Crowd is taken to a guy. Let's not get him pinned by Fandango in a tag match clean. Brian's backstage. Shane walks in. And this line... Like, it was just... It was too hilarious to have just been uh, thrown in there for no reason. Immediately after we see Rusev pinned in this fashion... Brian says, it's awesome how Brizongo connects with our audience. Like, just the perfect line to summarize mm. that last finish. Shane says they're not on the same page, but calls Brian's decision-making irrational. And he goes over the handicap match he's made, now the two out of three falls tag title match, even though the Usos just beat Gable and Benjamin last week. And he asks if Brian is okay, and says he's coming off a little unstable. Brian... I was hoping would come back and say, I am a, I am a very stable genius. That would have been a great little reference to their president. Oh, Brian says that he could say the same thing considering Shane's gene pool and that Shane has made petulant and irrational decisions in the past and he'll probably make more in the future. And Shane just says, I will agree to disagree and he leaves, what Shane does best when things get heated, he
0: takes off. I continue to enjoy the scenes between these two. I think both the, both of them play their roles pretty well. I thought Shane was really good here, just kind of playing... I mean, in recent weeks now, it seems like they've really gone ahead with showing Brian off as sort of the, the, the weird one, whereas Shane is the more even-keeled, more logical one. Um, I thought Brian was good here, too, playing that mysterious and potentially crazy role. The idea that, you know he certainly feels like he's got something up his sleeve, but uh, being very mysterious about it.
1: Yeah, there's an air of intrigue to it. That is, is Brian just simply uh, turning here or is there a method to his, his madness here that I think everyone is kind of interested in of where this progresses? Then we got another ad for the Raw Anniversary Show adding the following names to appear that night. The Godfather, Brother Love, The Boogeyman, Teddy Long, Ted DiBiase, John Laurinaitis, and Sergeant Slaughter. Uh-huh. Any surprises? No, and I think that's that's kind of what you want out of these kind of periphery characters that I don't know, That's why I see some people that are not like you've seen all of these people, I feel,
0: in fairly regular amount. They have the Rolodex of, of people that Yeah, cool. these are like go-to guys. Yeah. Any I think maybe real surprises they probably Will save for the show, maybe. Uh, yeah, there's probably gonna be a ton more than just this. I'm surprised that like Boogeyman always gets that call. He's always there, and and here's a guy who I don't necessarily feel like had that. Yeah, I suppose he's a memorable character. I think he always gets a reaction, but um, I'm surprised he people think of him highly enough to like advertise him on all these uh, nostalgia shows. I, I watched that raw that that what is it old school raw? Yep. Not that long ago. He was on that. He he's he always shows up. which year from that old school raw? When was the last time they
1: did one of those? Like 2014. The one with Jake. Yeah, that was like 2014, I think. Yeah. Um that that one happened. But uh, also worth noting, uh, I know a lot of people were freaked out when Uh, Stephanie and Hunter and a number of the WWE people they were doing like uh, these panel interviews for the Television Critics Association and their official account uh, was recapping Hunter and Stephanie's portion and promoted the 25th anniversary as being a five hour special which I saw and immediately contacted WWE who informed me that was definitely a typo and it's a three hour show so totally believable like I saw that it's like of course they're gonna do five hours but and I'm thinking, like, are they going to start this at like six o'clock in the yeah. end? like? It just made no sense. How long is the rumble? The rumble is going to be six hours. Two hour pre show, four hour main show.
0: Jesus.
1: So that's that's a two coffee show. Yeah. Maybe three. Uh, but three hour RAW January twenty second. Mm-hmm. Carmella is the last uh, member of the mixed match challenge who does not have a partner. Actually, we could probably check this now because it should have been announced by now. Uh, be a fan vote amongst uh, the members of the New Day, and the winner will team with Carmella. I'm going to predict it'll be Biggie.
0: Okay. Uh, let's see here.
1: Meanwhile, Joe did win the vote to ba- be it's. Bailey's partner. He's hurt, and now Elias it's. is teaming with Bailey. Biggie. Biggie mm-hmm. is the partner for Carmella. So there you have it. Main event was AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Randy Orton against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Owens and Zayn bailed to the floor, and they go to get counted out. When Shane comes out, restarts the match, making it no count out. They build up to Orton and Zayn being tagged in, and then Owens jumps into the ring with a chair, getting the team disqualified. Shane returns, makes it no DQ, and an anything goes match. And the match restarts yet again. Now Styles gets the chair, attacking Owens with it. Nak- Nakamura and Orton then chased after Zane after he tried to hop the barricade. They run him into the post. Orton throws him into the steps, dumps him on the announcer's desk. And then Zayn is sent back into the ring. Owens is gone. And Nakamura hits to Kinshasa. Orton follows with the RKO. And it ends with
0: Orton pinning Sami Zayn to end the show. I thought it was a fun TV match, a simple and funny pattern of events that built up to a finish. I thought it was fu- funny, and I thought it told an entertaining story. For a TV segment, as long as the story's clever, I think I can often overlook the actual in-ring quality for these TV TV matches.
1: Yeah, so that was SmackDown. Um, I don't know. SmackDown of late, just been a show that I don't think has been bad. But the the end of it, it just seems like it's not always... Um, Seems like there's one big storyline going on, and like everything trickles out of that.
0: Well, every time like we we finish these shows, I mean, uh, we kind of write a little summary and, and think about like the headlines and and what should go on the thumbnails, and I always have trouble kind of thinking about what really stands out about SmackDown. AJ says life isn't fair. It's it's sort of the same things every single week. That doesn't mean it's a bad show. I think sometimes you you just You'd rather something uh, be consistent and and just kind of slowly build towards something rather than have to have like Braun Strowman you know bring down a set and killing somebody mm-hmm. every single week. Yeah. Um, SmackDown isn't really that type of show. It's not the show with the big stunts and the big headlines coming out of it. That's Raw. Uh, it it makes it a bit more consistent. Um, But I guess it also makes it a bit more skippable, too, depending on what you're looking for. It's not a chore to watch this show. I mean, I
1: think it's paced well. It's just... And also, I think you're going to see both shows, I'm sure, get uh, tighten things up a lot post-Rumble once the WrestleMania directions are in place that I think you'll see um, both shows uh, improve during that time period in terms of having... They always tend to excel when you've got that that end goal in mind with WrestleMania and everything. You just book backwards.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's another week in this shane Bryan storyline. Uh, you know, they've been doing good. Uh, it's a lot of TV time to fill, and perhaps we're starting to feel that right now. Do you want to go to feedback? Yeah. Okay, we are going to
1: get to ways total... Ah, it's not that much of a... Divas a review. review. Everyone wants to hear your thoughts. All right. Okay, so... We're going to the forum now forum.postwrestling.com Scale of 0-10 to The audience voted This was a 5.21 show of Smackdown We start off with Anthony from Philadelphia I'm going to guess Birmingham was still hungover from Alabama winning the college football championship last night because dear god did they not seem to care about watching some wrestling tonight I thought the matches that got significant time were fine and the show didn't drag, but the most interesting thing on the show was the Gable, Benjamin, Bryan segment. It was the first time Gable and Benjamin were outright heels and I think they eventually found a groove and did pretty well. It's probably the best I've ever heard Shelton on a mic. But Bryan's interaction was interesting. I liked how Bryan was the first to claim Gable and Benjamin had an issue with management, which both were quick to shoot down. It gives the sense of Bryan being overly defensive, if not delusional, regarding how he stands with the locker room. Also, between how extremely goofy he looked doing the yes chant and how the camera showed him looking stone-faced serious when he left I got the sense he was doing that very sarcastically as if he's just doing it to mock the crowd with how easily they'll follow along I do worry however that the constant teasing of which authority figure will turn heel may burn out the crowd and both guys may be worse off by the end of this angle while the crowd was pretty bad both of them
0: did seem far less popular than usual six shushes out of ten Christopher Melbourne wants to ask us which rumble do we see closing the pay-per-view The men's rumble would be my guess Well I think it depends Largely on what they have planned For this women's rumble But it wouldn't surprise me to see them close it With that one either
1: The only reason I could see Yeah I feel the rumble is You almost have to close it with that Uh, But you should have something in mind For the three way To explain Braun not being in the rumble Because I think people will naturally expect him To come back and be in the rumble You think so like, look yeah, what we've maybe. seen this monster come back from. Like, these near-death experiences. Right. And he gets beat in the match and doesn't show up in the Rumble. But
0: how do we know he even had a spot? Maybe he
1: was not even eligible. I think for most, you can get away with that. But with Braun, I think there's going to be the expectation level that he would be in the Rumble after that. So I think you can take care of it very easily by doing it, shooting an angle with Hunter.
0: Or doing the men's match, men's Rumble first. Uh, You could do that too.
1: You could do that before the three-way. Let's go to Christian from Puerto Rico. I thought tonight's SmackDown show was decent. I thought it was easy to watch and that it flew by. My favorite part of the show was without a doubt the segment featuring Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin. We've been asking for weeks now for WWE to give us any reasons to be invested in them and they finally gave them something to sink their teeth into. They were very entertaining in that segment. However, the main event dragged and it felt more like a house show. I'm starting to feel that the payoff to this Brian Shane feud is not worth all of these throwaway matches, but we will see. I give this SmackDown
0: seven monitors on Sammy's back out of ten we got Andre who says, 205 Live, I really like the TJB freakout, giving him a little boost and some story to run with. Alexander, Engel, er, Alexander Enzo Angle was also good. The title pillow spot got a pop out of me. Zeki from Toronto,
1: in a rare moment where men and women interact, Sammy gave Becky his sympathy back when James Ellsworth stole money in the bank. Today, Becky was overjoyed to learn she's teaming with Sammy. You see, even though he's a heel, she's willing to put aside her morals for Sammy. This goes deeper. She even took advantage of Under Siege as an excuse to uncharacteristically act like a thug, all in hopes that Sammy would see her in a different light. Becky's in love. What a beautiful tale. I hope Kevin Owens doesn't crash the wedding. Well, there, Zeki is looking really deep into this mixed-match challenge pairing. Luke Sanders better watch out. Like,
0: yeah, really. Finally, we go to Brian from Ireland, who says, An absolutely nothing show this week. Thank God it was only two hours. It really shows that when a crowd is not into something, it hurts the entertainment aspect of watching matches. Not that there was any good ones tonight. What was the audience? Do you guys know? I like TJP losing it. At least he showed some sort of character. I don't know what the number was uh, in Birmingham on Tuesday night but that
1: was Smackdown Live and we now are going to hear Way's thoughts his long awaited thoughts on Total Divas the current season now how many episodes did you go back and watch is this just the most Uh, recent
0: yeah yeah I mean I've I've talked previously about some of the earlier ones I think this past weekend I ended up watching maybe about four of them and so uh, (laughs) the first one I watched Brie is donating her breast milk. Oh. And so... um... (laughs) Actually, Daniel Bryan brought this up in an interview he did. So this entire... uh, much of this episode is is following Brie around as she has to follow her cycle of um, uh, donating breast milk. And um, she happens to be somebody who is uh, able to successfully... Uh, produce breast milk and we're led to believe that uh, a lot of people aren't. Mm -hmm. So, she is choosing to donate it. Uh, (laughs) It's a really noble thing. It really is. It's great. I'm just, uh, (laughs) I'm just, I didn't think I'd be talking about it. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I don't. I don't know how much <laughs> this is, is like is worth talking about. It's like it's total divas. So like a lot of like really interesting storylines that I don't even know how much uh, is worth analyzing. These are just or pretend. I'm
1: asking you what's happened on these four episodes. I have no
0: clue. <laughs> you're you're informing me. Yeah. Anyway, so one of the biggest I think storylines over the past several episodes has been Natalia and Lana's uh, friendship turned into a bitter rivalry. Ooh. Uh Natalia in previous seasons has always kind of acted like a mentor to, to to Lana, especially when it comes to her in-ring ability. And so Lana uh, as she's kind of getting another chance to uh showcase her her wrestling abilities in this I think it was like a five-way at SummerSlam. Something like that, I forget. She constantly pesters Natalia about hey, what about trying this spot? What if I do this? What if I do this? To the point where Natalia uh, becomes increasingly frustrated at these constant texts and uh, eventually just chooses to ignore her. And then at one point, um, this gets brought up and it all kind of comes to a head on a trip to Cabo with all the divas where they all get drunk. And at this point, uh, they... Get into Do you think it's legit drunk or work drunk? I'll tell you, like anytime I'm I'm watching Divas, it's. I I don't see them acting this good, knowing how they act on Raw and SmackDown, so I'm sure there's a, a big element of production and direction from the producers that are constantly hanging around them during all these moments. But whether or not there was actual alcohol in their system, I I I could believe that there was actual alcohol in their system. Um, at one point, they just start slapping each other, not like or shoving each other in the face. Oh, so they were watching Anoki matches for Lana's guidance. Um. Yes. Is that what she sure, was studying? They were doing that, and then uh, <laughs> they get into a uh like a big shouting match back at the apartment, and Natalia throws. Uh, Lana's things and her cell phone down into a beach um it it got pretty awful and it the next time you see them they're kind of like they're friends again but now they kind of maintain like a sister type of relationship where they've, they've accepted that they will constantly uh annoy each other but they'll always become friends again um I think we also had a brief storyline of of Brie trying to uh, think about making a comeback and how she's now kind of upset that the WWE has essentially kind of um, listed her as sort of this inactive, retired performer. So she no longer gets the calls to do the public appearances, unlike Nikki. And so uh, Brie's a little upset about that. She also, you know, is trying to lose the baby weight. Uh, and so... A bit about that. Um, Trinity tries to not Naomi. <laughs> Naomi tries to uh, spice things up in the bedroom with John because um, they're not having enough sex. And uh, Alexa, we get we get a uh, rare appearance on WWE TV from Buddy Murphy. Oh, okay. Who? They're engaged, they they are engaged, and I feel bad for Buddy Murphy because oh no, on this show, he essentially you know they're very upfront about how Buddy Murphy is very concerned that he will be cut in the next round of layoffs. He's recovering from an injury in NXT, uh, hasn't done anything in a long, long time. Meanwhile, his fiance, his, you know, Raw Women's Champion, SmackDown Women's Champion, pretty much at the top of of the division. And so, both of them now are concerned that, hey, what happens if you're caught in the next round of cuts? Um, Because Buddy Murphy is here on a visa from Australia, and so if he were to get cut, um, they weren't, they're not really sure what they would do, and... I find it interesting. I'm sure it's a conversation that, you know, many talents struggle with, and it's not necessarily one that we're, we're often presented with on WWE-produced television. So the two of them kind of have like a very real discussion. is there. Nia is sort of like comes across like a very bunch of uh, somebody who's very blunt with, uh, with her close friends and her maybe not so close friends as well, who will tell you exactly what you need to know. I really get the sense that Naya wants Alexa to break up with this dude. Wow. Thinking that she could do better than Buddy Murphy. Um, Or at the very least, Naya wants to be very upfront about these issues so that they'll make a decision. Like, Naya's asking them, you know, you guys have been engaged for a long time now. Why not just get married or move on? Buddy Bliss. uh, Uh bliss. Yes. And so uh, Alexa comes it's it's interesting kind of seeing their personalities outside of WWE Raw or SmackDown because Alexa on TV she comes across like somebody who, you know, uh top heel um seems like a big personality, but on Divas she feels like somebody who is uh rather just kind of shy and quiet. Um there's one episode where Maurice tries to like dress Alexa up in these, like, I guess, like a uh, fancy, uh, you know, try to, try to tries to dress her up, and, and they have a talk where Carano actually tells her you kind of, like, need to look more like a superstar when you're backstage. And Alexa, she really just kind of comes across like somebody who likes to wear, you know, comfortable clothes, doesn't really have a big, loud personality when she's backstage. I um, think so, Mark Carano's had that same
1: uh, discussion with, with, with male performers. You think he goes to Kevin Owens and says, hey, I don't know if these...
0: uh these tap out shirts and uh... I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That's a good question. But uh, yeah, so it continues. Total Divas is never must see television, but I find it to be a great vehicle to get these people's personalities across. And they don't necessarily in an organic way on an, you know, not necessarily completely crafted, overly produced way.
1: Gotcha. Well, there's your update on Total Divas, and we'll just end off. I'm not going to spend too much time, but I did say I'd talk a little bit about the uh, the Brian Pillman book that is out. It's called Crazy Like a Fox by Liam O'Rourke, and as I said on Monday, I think that this was the best book that came out in 2017. The story of Brian Pillman is so fascinating, and even if you have followed his career very closely, there's many new things to be learned uh, within this book, um, Liam O'Rourke had a lot of great access to people throughout this, but, both that knew him on a professional level, such as his sister Linda, who is kind of the kind of the the guide from the the personal side of Brian. And then from his professional side, you have Kim Wood, who is an enormous mentor uh, to Brian Pillman from his football days into professional wrestling. Uh, Dave Meltzer was obviously key as well, being interviewed in this book. And then uh, many others that were spoken to uh, with this book. So you go through Brian's upbringing and all of the problems he had with his, his throat issues from a very young age and, Throughout his career, had all of these limitations placed upon him because of his size, first in football and then being able to uh, over, over deliver what the expectations were for him as a football player and ended up getting into the NFL as a result of that. And then after... After being kind of not being able to stick around in the NFL, then transitioning to pro wrestling and starting in Stampede. And again, he's in this industry where they thought his size was going to limit him. And you see this progression of Brian Pillman into almost this obsession to become this main eventer. And with that comes main event money. But for him, it was almost this enormous chip on his shoulder that he had because of his size even though he was talented beyond the skill sets of other people that were making significantly more money than him and it's it's a really fascinating look into somewhat into the stampede days but mainly his wcw tenure from going to wcw and just tons of stories of the behind the scenes politics of the time and Clearly, the most interesting part is the development of the loose cannon persona, and that happened in late 95, early 96, where his deal was coming due, and it was how do I make myself as valuable a commodity as possible, and it was doing things that would genuinely shock people. He brought in Eric Bischoff on the idea behind it that they would work the locker room, they would would work everybody and make it seem as real as possible and it a lot of people bought into it and it escalated into brian pillman being able to get his own release from wcw it's a well-known story that to make it as legitimate as possible he got that release and then when he's at the cusp of his popularity And this incredible bidding war that was about to unfold, he has the wreck in his Hummer in early 96, uh, in April of that year. And like, it is phenomenal that this guy ever, that he survived this. I mean, the description of how he was just, his face was destroyed. His ankle was never the same. His ankle, it was very unfortunate that here he had finally reached this level where regardless of where he signed, it was going to be a gigantic deal and to show how hot he still was he still got incredible offers from wcw and wwf opting to go to the wwf because while the wcw offer was an incredible on paper offer they still had those 90 day cycles built in where you could be given 90 days notice and he was concerned that his ankle was never going to be the same again that he could he could be cut from this contract. Whereas the WWF one, they built in uh, a downside guarantee for him, which might've been the first downside guarantee this in the post hall Nash era, or at least getting back to it. Like I'm certain Hogan had one of those built in, but uh, he signed an enormous deal with the WWF. They rushed him back and his ankle had to be, eventually be rebroken and reset after he was trying to, to work through the ankle injury, which eventually was fused And then we go down the the dark path of all of his pill use, and 97, it's just uh, insane to just watch this guy spiraling out of control. When you as the reader, you know what the end result is in October of 97, and just all those people around him that could see this guy spiraling out of control while at the same time... So much about Pillman was where did the work end and the real life begin? And as chaotic as his as his drug use was, his personal life was a mess at the same time, too. He ended up having five kids. Um, his marriage with Melanie was falling apart and and then everyone remembers like the death using Melanie the next night. and afterwards, very sad state of affairs with the pillman family that um melanie is not painted in a positive light at all in this book um how controlling she became um with the brian pillman memorial shows that les thatcher talks about in the book of why he ultimately stopped promoting them and um melanie's not interviewed in the book but she came she comes off very very badly in this book and then also looking at his his children including brian's son brian jr who just started wrestling and trained at the lance storm the storm wrestling academy so um it's a very tragic story it's this is not a feel-good story but it's it's an incredible life this guy lived uh this could easily be a movie and this would be the manuscript for it it's uh i highly recommend this book because it's it's insight into brian pillman that i would imagine even those close to him will learn a thing or two about uh various stories and things going on with, with brian especially towards the end of his life. So that is it. Uh, Crazy Like a Fox by Liam O'Rourke. So that is it. Cool. And I even got a thank you in the book, by the way. Oh. So if that's not enough to convince you to go purchase this book. Uh, so that's going to wrap up the show. Thank quick, you. Quick reminder, yes. uh,
0: everybody. John recently appeared on Jim Ross's The Ross Report podcast, which you can go and check out right now.
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's broken up into two parts. So the first part is up this week, and then I guess the second part will be next week. So you can go uh, podcast one, the Ross Report. In the meantime, postwrestling.com, go check it out and we will be back Friday with our Rewind Away show for our members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. You can sign up now, you'll get that show on Friday morning when it drops. So that is it, and we will speak with you on Friday.
0: Wait. Oh my god. now. Uh, are you my partner? Oh, <sighs> <Well, Mary.
1: laughs> like, right. Okay, this is a lot better than Rusev. That's all I can say.
0: It's so nice to see you. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> Mary, I
1: have a, I have a two, two question
0: for you. Yes, I want to get a better selfie after. Yeah. Better, serious. Do you like cats? Yes, I love cats. Meow. Yeah. Meow too. Number two. <laughs> You ready to win? Mix my change. With me. Yes.